welcome to a conversation with Joshua T. Berglund. We have an amazing guest today, Mr. Taryn Gulati. I hope I pronounced that right. I do really struggle with that sometimes. But nonetheless, I'm so blessed that you're here. This is going to be such a beautiful conversation. I have never had anyone like this on my show before, but just to, other than, look, there's a lot of people that talk about mental well-being. There's a lot of people that talk about dating and so forth, but this guy's philosophy is so much different and it's such a breath of fresh air. I am so grateful that he's going to be here today because I know that I'm going to learn a bunch, but I believe that you will too. So without further ado, please welcome Mr. Taryn Golati. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a conversation with Joshua T. Berglund. I am so excited to introduce you all to Tehran. Tehran, correct? Tarun, yes. Got it right. I, it's, <laughs> I hear myself saying it, and then I... Anyway, uh, listen, I am so sincerely excited to have you on today because you have an approach to mental well-being and also even dating that is so unique and so special. And I believe that it is so needed in the world. I cannot wait to speak to you. But before we get into all of that, can you tell us what are you grateful for today and why? I am the luckiest person alive in this planet today. Why is that? And because being able to understand things the way they are, the mind, the pitfalls, and how to fix them, that kind of, I don't think I even deserve it. Wow, there is a lot to unpack there. I got to ask you something because I think about three months ago, I probably would have dismissed this notion that it was possible, especially in the world that we live in today with so much confusion, so much uncertainty, so much lack of identity, so much of a lack of truth. Yet at the same time, in my own path, in my own walk, in my own journey to truth and clarity, I'm aligned with you completely in what you're saying. Because here, especially in the last few weeks, I feel like I'm seeing the world through a whole different lens and have removed myself from so much of the BS and the chaos that it's given me nothing but peace and a certainty of how we get to change the world and, and pass what we've learned onto others. But this isn't about me. This is about you. When did this path start for you? So, from a reasonably early age, I realized that I was given to thinking alone. Definitely in my 20s, I remember trying to write some thoughts in a book, more like thoughts about how I thought life was and how I thought things should be. So it was an early indication that while others were busy partying and having fun and making more friends, I was more interested in sitting down with myself and thinking. So that's how it started. And I remember one particular incident. 
I used to be in this city called Hyderabad in India. And these are actually two cities separated by a lake in the center. And around the lake, they've built a road, which is where people hang out in the evening and things like that. So one particular day, I think it was a weekend, Saturday or a Sunday, I drove down to that road in the morning. I parked my car at about 10 a.m., turned off the engine, parked it, stretched my legs and I started thinking because the whole point was just to sit there and think. And the next moment was when a police officer knocked on the glass. And I was a little confused because when I saw him for a couple of seconds, I could understand because it was night and this person is at my door, what's going on? And I looked at the watch and it was 9 p.m. I have no idea what happened from 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. It happened only once. It never happened after that. So these were early instances of me given to deep thought. And as I moved forward in the last 15 years, it became more structured and more intense. So I started thinking, spending a lot of time just staring into blackness and understanding what am I doing? What are my actions? What am I saying? And what impact does it have on my peace of mind? Because what happens is, Joshua, life is genuinely hard. Genuinely hard. Okay? It does not come with a playbook. But it does come with a million distractions on the outside. <laughs> okay? So the point is to try and understand it like a scientist rather than blame things. If you just stay still and start looking at what's happening. What am I doing? What am I thinking? What am I about to say? What did I just say? Why did I say it? These conversations have to be internal because the mind is a trickster. If I try to have this with Joshua, then the first thing my mind is going to say is, you need to create a good impression in front of Joshua. So automatically what you say is colored. Okay. Don't start to observe that there are multiple voices in your mind. There is no such thing as you. That's the first thing to understand. Because there are multiple yous inside of you. The question is, which you do you want to dominate in your life? So you're suggesting in a way that we all have multiple personalities. Like the dissociative identity disorder, is it related to the same thing? Or is that term really just a made-up term to describe the fact that every one of us have multiple personalities? So... I'm not using that term in a medical sense, of course, which has its own connotations. Sure. I'm using Yeah, not that. But that's more like a mental illness, which is not what we're talking about. But 
what I am saying is all of us have MPD because all of us have multiple voices. We may not be suffering to the extent that a patient might suffer, but you see the point. The point is all of us have multiple voices inside our head. You could call it the voice of the head, the voice of the heart. You could call it the good voice, whatever you want to call it. But if you don't sit down and look at them and identify and differentiate them, and then go on to ask yourself, which of these voices is going to make me more peaceful? Not happy. Because happiness is tricky. I could feel happy by criticizing Joshua and Twitter tonight. Just That's for true. some time. That's true. Or, That's very true. Yeah. Or I could feel happy by cheating on my extremely loving partner. Just this one time. The question is, do I feel peaceful? Oh my gosh. I got to grab my phone. I got to read something to you. And I want to ask you, hold on just a second. It's right over here. I got a download last night and I'm sorry to interrupt your flow, but I have to ask you about this. What do I do with it? Oh my gosh. Okay. Essentially it's this. So we have, so, you know, the, they say the, the knowledge of good and evil was the original sin, right? That's what religious books will say. <clears throat> In that having that knowledge of good and bad, when there is no good and bad, is actually the greatest flaw of mankind. Because once we hear or somebody tells us something's bad, which like in the holy books, we are not, we have no knowledge of doing evil unless that we've read this book and we've read these rules to tell us that we were wrong or to tell us that we're right. And having that power over each other allows us to be able to wrong or right people. But then depending on what your perspective is, changes right and wrong. Is that anywhere tracking to what you're talking about? Yeah, we're on the same track. Okay. All right. The cool. key I, is, I just wanted to make sure. Yeah. But the key is to put these dots together in your mind to understand that our objective is not really the pursuit of happiness. It is the pursuit of peace of mind. You may know it, you may not know it, but that's what you're seeking. So when you say good and bad, sorry. No, and that's where our spirit comes in, correct? To guide us, to help us discern between, is this right for me? Is this good for my body? Is this good for my soul, my purpose, my path? Is this right for me? Is that correct? Yes and no. I'll tell you why. Oh. Because we again go back to, is this good for me? It's a very, it sounds very poetic, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It sounds very profound. But if you go back to practicality and say, which me? That's important. Because there is a part in me who wants to put others down. So it's good for whom, which me, which is why I'm distilling it down to, does it make you more peaceful? Such a great question. It's such a great- But then there's no confusion. Every action too, wow. There's no confusion. It isn't, 
then you don't get lost in various rabbit holes that you might take. <laughs> yeah. Things like this. Because what, again, remember, your mind is your biggest trickster. The moment you start going down this experiment, some words appear. One of the words you took, spirit. There are hundreds of others. And they are very valid words. But they have a life of their own. And if you start taking those words too seriously, you don't realize that because you are not yet as smart as your mind, which when I say you, I mean that other voice which favors peace of mind. That's the voice we're talking about because that's the ultimate destination. Because that voice is not clear enough, strong enough, the other voice will tend to mislead. It could be the voice of the ego. So, I'll give you an example. Stage one, you live an extravagant life. You show off, you make a lot of money and you show off your expensive car, you show off your expensive house, okay? Then, you have a moment of realization where you say, no, this is not the right thing to do. So, the next thing you do is, start donating your money. But now you want to show other people that you are donating. You see what I'm saying? You see how the mind is? The mind says, oh, you don't want to show off the money, so let's show off donating it. Same because thing. it has to find an object to massage the ego. If you can't see through it, it will keep adding layers and layers fooling you that you are on this path, but you will never notice. That's and I'll tell you, it goes further. Where I was at. Yeah, it goes further. It goes all the way to I sold my Ferrari. Because the point is not selling the Ferrari. The point is, are you able to have that conversation with yourself clearly and understanding various voices and be silent. What confirmation this is for me. I lived a pretty reckless life and, and then had a moment with God, changed my life, turned my life, started down a different path. But what you said about serving and volunteering and donating money and doing all that well that became my whole life because i was working to right the wrongs of my past now in fairness my heart has always been to serve i genuinely love to serve however the way i was going about it was almost unnatural and especially with the motive of I'm going to show people that I'm not the same guy anymore. I'm not the same monster I used to be. And so the pendulum, as I call it, swung from one extreme to the other. And, but now I've come back into this middle where I'm rotating like this, finding my legs. But as you're talking to me, because when you, when I stepped into this or stepped up out of where I was, 
it's I it wobbly sea legs because I was having to learn to walk again and navigating a different truth that was uncomfortable for me because it literally defied every single thing that I'd ever been taught in my life. But as you say what you're saying, you're providing confirmation for me in why I took that step up to begin with. So this is like really powerful. I still don't even know how to describe what's happening right now for me, but I think you're doing a beautiful job of saying what I've been wanting to say, but I didn't know how to say it. This is so good, man. Keep going. I'm sorry. Yeah. And what you are experiencing, <clears throat> consider it to be a natural progression. Okay. So earlier, as we said, stage one was, I want to be extravagant. Then mm. stage two was, okay, I don't want to be extravagant, but I want to let the world know that I'm not extravagant. It is natural. It is natural. Step one, do not waste time feeling guilty. Mm. Be a scientist. Understand this is how the mind works. When you understand it, that is when the profundity happens. Then you say, oh, now what is up your sleeve? Because then you start asking yourself, okay, extravagance was making me excited. It was not making me peaceful. Once you start asking the right question, then you again ask, is showing people that I'm no longer extravagant, is that making me peaceful? And their answer is going to be no. You see what I'm saying? So yes. then you go to level three in the game and you say, oh, so the Holy Grail is what makes me peaceful, question mark. What makes me more restless, question mark. That's the final filter. So then you go to the next step and then you realize that this whole thing about keeping my attention on the outside is the problem. Because everything I do seems to be about how will I appear to others? And when you realize that, then you say, oh, biologically, my eyes and ears point outwards for a good reason. But because of that, my attention is also outside, not my fault. But once you understand it, remember, it's a, we have to be scientists. Once you understand it, then you say, oh, okay, my eyes are outside. Of course, I'm receiving visual input from the outside. My ears are outside, so my attention is also outside. Now, if a thousand people in the startup world are only going to talk about raising the next round is success, raising the next round is success. And if that's the only input I have, my mind will be colored. But if I now grow a new pair of internal eyes, which is what contemplation does. You sit with yourself. Nothing complicated, nothing fancy. Sit with yourself and have a conversation. And you start asking these questions. Is this making me more peaceful? Is this why I'm really doing this? The answers are so simple. And they're free. Because the beauty is, if you train your inner counselor, you will never need an external one. <laughs>
This is so awesome. Oh my gosh, this is exactly where I'm at. I, the expression, what is it? When the student is ready, the teacher appears. That's literally what I'm feeling right now. Not that it's exactly the same thing. I have the ears to hear this now. I didn't have the ears to hear this before. I couldn't have heard this. I would have never heard it because I would have, even though I was always, I'm not religious, <laughs> I'm not religious, but in the night, but I have my faith. I still was religious in that. And in the way that I was thinking and allowing, and even the questions that I had, I was ignoring the obvious questions of these, of the challenges that I was having with the faith that I was in. And I knew something wasn't right the whole time. I knew something was right, but I was still plowing ahead and ignoring everything that I kept seeing and my intuition and everything else. And so it was causing this massive disruption and causing massive guilt, which just triggered the other multiple personalities that I had to come alive. And I kept shooting myself in the foot every bit of progress I make because of guilt and shame that came from nothing and meant nothing. It really meant nothing. I didn't have to have that because, but I allowed some other man's words to dictate my peace in what I knew in my heart was true for me. Can't say it for other people, but for me, I knew what was true. And it took breaking out of that nonsense to find peace. And as I told you, it's been wobbly for me. I've been struggling with even prayer. What do I read to, to fill my mind, to feed my mind so I don't feed the wolf inside of me or the bad wolf? I want to feed the good wolf. And so I didn't know where to go because even in the religious text that I was reading, I saw contradictions that bothered me. And then I'm, that wasn't giving me peace. And the whole time, I kept hearing, you don't need any external voices. Just sit with me. Kept hearing it, kept ignoring it, kept ignoring it. And now you're saying, in a, you didn't use those exact words, but in a way, that's what you are saying. And again, confirmation. It's almost like we have to relearn or forget everything we've learned to find what's true. Is that true? Yeah, almost, because now you see, when I said life is genuinely hard, it yeah. is genuinely hard. Your intentions are pure, but there is so much noise, so much distraction, that now do you understand when I say I'm the luckiest person on the planet? To be able to find this clarity yeah. amidst this noise. Wow. That is, you are. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, if I were given a choice, would you like to relive your life and change anything? I would not change a day. I'm that way. I'm not even where you are, but yet. But I wouldn't trade a thing. I, for me, it was finding gratitude in my trauma. Having HIV, overdosing, being in jail six times, divorced three times, losing my children being bankrupt, being homeless, being a chem sex addict, all that stuff. I'm grateful for it because now those are all the people that I get to help. I can speak their language and I can show them that there's a way out because I went through that and I've recovered and healed from that. And I have a happy marriage now. I have two amazing, I have two amazing kids from this marriage that have taught me how to love in ways that I never thought possible. So I wouldn't trade a word. I wouldn't trade any of it because I wouldn't have the capacity to love that I do now without experiencing mm -hmm. that.
And that, look, there's so many things to talk to you about. And I already know that I want to have you back to have more specific focused conversations. Right now, I'm just getting to know you. But you have a dating app. Sorry, before we go there, I wanted to make a point before I forget. My submission to you, please consider this, is from today, instead of saying what is true to me, if you were to replace that by saying, what feels more peaceful to me? Feels more peaceful to me. Ooh, that's good. Many of your answers will get instantly clarified. Instantly, in some cases. Try it for a few weeks, see how you feel. We are anyways going to meet again. And let's see how you do on that. Okay, I'm committed to that. Yeah, because I'm right now in the place of escaping right and wrong. Even good and evil, I'm like escaping out of that mindset as well. Because I'm a conspiracy theorist at heart. I question everything. I've never believed anything I've been told. So I love to dive down wormholes, as you said. And it's like you're reading my mail to me right now. It's like the things that you're saying, I'm going, yeah, that's me. That was me. That was me. But that's one of those things that even looking at that and pointing right and wrong, good and evil, the battle of good and evil, like I'm separating myself out of that and that way of thinking because it's a trap because it in the end doesn't give me peace. It may be true. This conspiracies may be true, but talking about it, seeking it, going down wormholes to find that information. Is it really elevating my spirit? Is it really lifting me up? Is it really making me feel good or give me peace? Absolutely not. It's getting me excited for chaos, which is, Probably not good either. So I love that you said that, and I'm grateful for that. And sometimes, having been through those times, conventional knowledge or conventional wisdom might tell us, no, that's a bad thing. It's not necessarily a bad thing, because think about it. Unless you've known darkness, you may not appreciate the light. It's true. And I know darkness. So the goal is to keep experimenting and keep moving forward. That's the goal. Not waste time on feeling guilty. Understand the mind, understand what it does to me. And the best way to start is question everything. Every movement of your body, of your tongue, what I said, is this making me more restless? It is making me more peaceful. And eventually, it will overwhelm you, which is a good sign. But that's the only way to move forward. Think about it this way, Joshua. We all are sinners, all of us. The only difference is in the intensity. <laughs> it's true. That's true. A saint is a sinner who never gave up. Wait, a saint is what? A saint is a sinner who never gave up. You just have to keep walking, keep experimenting, keep finding, and remove those strands of sin, one by one, one by one. Because, think about it. That's repentance. God is a short form of good. 
That's how I see it. Really. All we need to do is try to be good, which basically means try to be more peaceful. Because usually, if you do things that are making you peaceful and others peaceful, you would be good. And if you look at any qualities which are godlike, they are essentially these. Man, you're like a modern day Alan Watts, I swear to you. That's a compliment, I promise. <laughs> Thank you. I just, I'm sitting here listening and I'm going, there's going to be, I, I, all I can picture in my head is there's going to be people listening to audio of your, your voice presenting philosophy for the world. It's like, just keep seeing that for you. And I'm going, I'm going to be listening to this guy in 30 years. And there's just so much wisdom. And the thing that's wild about all of this is that you're just going to keep gaining more and more wisdom on your path because you've disciplined yourself to this way of living and being still and listening and solitude. It's inspiring. I so I Today was the longest I've ever sat and meditated. I lasted two and a half minutes, mainly because my cats broke in the basement and started harassing me to get pet, petted. But I, that was the longest I've ever sat. And I'm trying to do this. My mind is so busy, so crazy. I love it though, because I have nonstop creative ideas coming to my brain, but it doesn't shut up often. So I've been trying to discipline myself to learn to be still and wait and listen and to have those talks with God, which I believe are, is a more appropriate way than I've ever tried praying or anything else. I'm committed to this because in the end, I know I'm, I'm feisty by nature. I love to mix it up. I love to argue. I, there's a part of me that loves confrontation, but I like respectful confrontation. I, in other words, I don't want to shoot anybody afterwards, but I do love healthy debate. I like to mix it up. But the one area of my life that I have not disciplined well is solitude. And that's something I'm working on now. But I'm getting closer and getting better. I've started to practice conscious eating. So I'm more aware of what I'm eating. I'm not eating animals anymore. And that was a personal choice, not because I'm a weird hippie or anything, but I, it was a personal choice after learning about conscious eating. I knew that I could not feel good about consuming animals anymore in the way that I was because it just didn't feel right. And ever since I've done that, like three, started three weeks ago, it's been life-changing for me. And with that, I've also noticed more peace in my body, which I relate to finally being able to sit still for two and a half minutes. So, I see. Very interesting. So, I got a question with that though, because when you have, you are some, if you are somebody out there that struggles with sitting still like me, like I would love to know some tips that can help be still and sit in solitude the way that you're talking about. So, let me give you an example. Sometimes, Meditation does not work for a few people. And one of the reasons why it may not work is, let's picture this. You wake up and you meditate for a few minutes and you feel very calm and peaceful. But if the rest of your day is filled with proving others wrong, 
proving yourself right, criticizing others, being sarcastic, speaking too much, speaking too fast, negatively comparing yourself with others. If that is what you're going to do for 16 hours, stillness will not come because that is the definition of stillness. Which is why in the contemplation program we have laid these out as principles. It's almost near scientific. You do this and this and systematically you will get more peaceful because think about it. How does peace look? Let's start there. If you need to get to a destination and if you're at point A, let's define how point B looks. Peaceful does not look that you are urging to prove. Peaceful does not look that you are speaking too much. Peaceful does not look like you are speaking too fast. And a few other things. Now, if you start to eliminate each of these things from your personality, what is left is peace of mind. Because all the noise is gone. This is... You're blowing my mind. This is so good. I got to talk to you about before we close. I got to... I, there's so much... Again, there's so much to talk to you about. But I know there's a lot of people. I see it and hear about it all day long. There's people that are single, they're having trouble finding somebody of the right value. There's people that there's frustration, all the new genders and sexualities and all this. It's just like the dating world is a complete train wreck. I'm so thankful that I found my partner in life, my best friend. I have the most amazing wife ever. And I'm so blessed for that, especially after all of my other failures in relationships. So I don't envy anyone that's trying to date right now especially in the swipe culture that we're in. Just, I don't know. I mean, you may get lucky, but it's like playing Russian roulette, if you ask me. It is, yeah. You have a dating app and a concept on dating that, to me, is perfect. Because one of the biggest issues, especially, I'll speak for men, when a man doesn't know his identity and gets into a relationship, he's going to be a liar. He's going to be an abuser. He's going to be a cheater or something like that. Like he's not ready to lead a family. He's not even ready to lead a relationship when he doesn't know his identity. And that's a very dangerous place for men to be. Again, I can't, I'm not going to speak for women because I don't know what that's, but I was a very dangerous, scary person when I didn't know who I was. It's only in knowing my identity that I've been able to become a man that can lead a family, that can maintain a happy home and still pursue the life of my dreams your dating app is set up just for that so before you find the one you find out who the heck you are first so can you explain this philosophy please sure venus the approach of venus essentially is that a meaningful relationship does not start with finding the right person it starts with finding yourself. <laughs> it starts with becoming the right person. 
too many people are trying to find the right person without even asking, do I even deserve that right person? Am I the right person? So Venus lays out three very simple steps for your dating journey. Step one, find yourself. Step two, find a friend. Step three, find a partner in that order. What that means is you start with finding yourself and you ask the same questions that we briefly discussed. What are my values? What makes me more peaceful? What makes me more restless, etc., etc. Then when you are reasonably good at knowing yourself well and you sit across a table at a cafe, step two is find a friend in that person first. Can you have a fundamental conversation that has some substance? Do your value systems match? Because if those things don't exist, a cute smile or six packs is not going to cut it. <laughs> okay, so that's step two. Find a friend in that person. And then step three is, I have found myself. Yes, I have found a friend in this person. Can this person also be my partner? Because not every friend can be a partner. Right. The intimate intimacy and all those things, romance is very important. Or it can be a deal breaker. My only point is, don't start there. So typically what happens is, step one, you find a partner. <laughs> yep. Okay. Step two, you are unable to find a friend in that person. Because step three, you haven't found yourself. It's backwards. So then what happens? You repeat it and again say, step one, find a partner. So it's find a partner. I can't find a friend because I can't find a friend in myself. But let me find another partner. You just described whole dating life until <laughs> I met my wife, this wife. I didn't know your advice back then, but that's how it happened. Literally, was I found myself, found my identity, Learned I could love and heal. I could be alone. Learned I could love myself. Found a friend that I had no expectations of dating because I'm like, I'm not moving to Minnesota. Freaking <laughs> way. It gets really cold there. Not moving to Minnesota. But I'll be your friend. Be your best friend. Oh, crap. Now we're in love. <laughs> and I'm in Minnesota. That's how it happened. And here's the coolest right. part about what you just described. And I want to tell everybody why this method works. First of all, it makes perfect sense. I don't even think you can argue against it, but here's why it works. Because when you've established the friendship, you already know your identity. You've now established the friendship part and say that friendship becomes something more than a friend. The days that you're not feeling so romantic towards each other, and maybe you don't even want to talk to each other, you have a friendship to fall back on. And I believe the foundation of a friendship, a true friendship, doesn't crumble in the same way, a just depending on a relationship. Just going from, hey, you're hot, let's do it. Okay, now we're in a relationship and married, but we had no foundation built. Exactly. It's going to crumble. Like even the smallest wind will blow it over because there's no foundation to hold it up. The friendship part is important, but you can't even have a true friendship until you know your identity 
Because without your identity, how do you know that person's really your friend? Because you don't even That's, know who you are, right? Yeah. So the whole idea is date yourself first. If you are not your own friend, now let's talk about, you mentioned friendship. And I will talk about the three Venus vows. Remind me if I forget. Yeah. But let's talk about this. Think about a really close friend in your life. There could be somebody, okay? And now, remember, we are scientists. So, how does a friendship between two people develop? There was a time when both of you were strangers. Must have been some time, okay? Then you two meet, you speak a little bit, maybe get along well and meet again. And eventually, you get to know yourself better. That's how a friendship develops. Now, replace that other friend with yourself. How often have you sit down with yourself? How much time have you spent having conversations with yourself? And if you have not, how would you know yourself? And if you wouldn't even know yourself, where is the question of becoming your own best friend? Let me ask you something. Do you think the world is ready for an approach like this? Because this is very counterculture of what we have happening, the agendas that are being pushed. It's what you're talking about is virtually the exact opposite. Like no one's teaching this. What kind of resistance do you get from the world presenting something like this? I personally think it's gorgeous and beautiful and wish I would have had this years ago. But what is the, what's the feedback been like? So a couple of things there. You mentioned a few minutes ago that you've also been on a certain experimental journey and you may not be as far along as I am. But let me tell you, you're just a couple of steps behind. If you zoom out in the larger scheme of things, I started earlier than you, so I walked farther. But if you were to zoom out, you see that effect where if you're zoomed in, it looks like you and I are far apart. Yeah, yeah. But if you zoom out in the larger scheme of things, you're almost next to each other because both of us have a huge long walk to go. Okay, so that's one. So, and as you keep walking, the first thing you realize is it isn't about whether the world is ready. That is irrelevant. It is about doing the right thing because it is the right thing to do, even if no one is listening. Why? Because remember, we always come back to one thing does this make me peaceful? There will always be people, because think about it. As I said, this is a continuum, isn't it? On this spectrum, there are people on all points of the spectrum. 
you and I would not take this very advice that you and I so readily agree on right now, 25 years ago. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. So that's the point. There will always be people on different points of the spectrum. Always. Joshua, think about it. Mother Teresa is way up there compared to you and I. Okay? In many respects. I haven't served humanity, etc., etc. But even she did her best. And that's what we need to. There will always be people who are too excited to understand this. And which is why I said, that's why life is genuinely hard. The point is not to force them. Because they have to come to this conclusion themselves, which is why what I'm trying to do is put it out there and say, okay, you don't resonate with it today. I'm not going to force you. Because then it very quickly becomes you versus me. The urge to prove is going to come in and you will be less worried about introspecting and more worried about trying to prove me wrong, which doesn't help. Remember the trickster mind. Yeah. They can't see it today because they haven't put in the time, not because there is something wrong with them. I have put in the time. If they put in the time, they'll see it. It's very simple. It's like you're climbing the branches of a tree. Okay. For example, if I'm only on branch three and I look around and I say, I can see everything. Of course, there is no red car approaching. But the person who's sitting on branch seven can very clearly see a red car approaching. It's just that. All I need to do is climb a few more branches. So the goal is put it out there because maybe eight years later, when the tides shift and when you start to think on these lines, you might remember that there was something about contemplation that I heard. Let me try it. That's the right time for you to try it. Yeah. You said that you want me to remind you of three things to go over. So Venus, what you said was very accurate. Friendship. What we have done is created three vows for Venus that you take. I will respect you forever. I will care for you forever. I will be your friend forever. If you have these three, it is very hard to have a bad relationship. And if those elements are missing, like you said, if you quickly decide on the basis of physical appearance, that's excitement. Yes. Is it important? Yes, it is important. Remember, we're not saying it is not important, but it is step three. But if it is the only thing to go by, then the question is, what do you do after you have been intimate? There is nothing to stand on. Because there is no meeting of the minds. There was only meeting of the bodies, which is done. Which lasts a few minutes. What about the remaining 23 hours? What is your foundation? If you don't care for that person, if you don't respect that person, if you are not a friend, then it's a commodity. 
You just had ice cream and you moved on. Dude. Tell me you have and a you Yeah, you don't realize it. Because it feels so good. You see the problem? Yeah. There is a voice in your mind, which is why I say, don't say true to me. True to which voice? Because I'm being true to me. I want to have one night stands and I love it. So yes, that is your truth today. I'm not going to question or challenge or try to change you. All I'm saying is, can you sit down with yourself and have other voices speak to you? And you decide after considering these are the voices. If I do this, makes me less peaceful. Understand it. After that, also, if you want to still continue having one night stands, it is your life, Joshua. That's my point. Yeah, I get it. It is none of it is none of our business. It is his life, her life, because only they will feel it. They have to decide. My yeah, only goal is those one night stands can have some serious consequences. Yeah, but they have to realize it. There's no point moral policing. We are, it's none of our business. That's true. You're right. You're 100% right. And think about it. The way the mind works is, if you and I try to tell them, we think we are trying to solve the problem. It doesn't work that way. You're raising barriers. It is like an elephant trying to give a massage to an ant, thinking it is really helping. What a beautiful analogy and accurate. Man, I got to tell you, I have had to face a lot of reality checks because the truth is something that's very important. I, I was a chronic liar. So telling my truth, obviously, became something that I had to work on, but became obsessed with. And I felt like, for me, the right path was to expose myself, not literally, well, I did that literally, but figuratively also like in, in the book that we wrote and, and even the content that I create, like I'm very revealing, like I don't have secrets, but that was by design and for a reason. But with the other side of that was this desire for other people to know the truth also. And I became very aggressive about that for a long time with a lot of the content that I made the last few years about what was really going on in the world and helping, trying to help people see what's coming with the fourth industrial revolution and all this energy that was spent in really looking back at it and reflecting back on it. And also as somebody that has HIV and understanding what was going to happen with the immune systems, like I felt like it was my duty to tell people and warn people. And the truth was that even though I stand by the things that I said, because now it's coming true, but I stand by it also, or I stand by what I said. However, what I realized is I don't think I helped as much as I intended to. I don't think that I really had the impact of anything. I probably caused more pain and suffering than I intended to, but all I really wanted to do was tell the truth. And I've had to step back and really reevaluate that role that I play in the world and the, even the things that I say, because even I wasn't thinking the word peace until you came on. But really, what if I'm interfering in somebody else's path by doing that? 
how am I impacting them? Is that, did they really need this information? And the thing is, I don't know the answer to that. I've been trying to figure it out, but I have been confronted with, was I really doing the right thing? Were my intentions as pure as I think they were? And so because of that, I've stepped back out of that, even though sometimes it's hard for me to resist. I've really tried to step away from all of that, even with the content that I create, because in the end, I want to elevate people. I want to lift people up. I want to see everybody be able to step into their God-given, God-created purposes and to step into why they were created in the first place. Ultimately, that's my main goal. Not being a conspiracy theorist, not being woke, not being a truther, not being any of this. I just want to help people realize and step into their God-given purposes. And you're absolutely on the right track. As I said, the progression looks exactly like this. Mm. I've also been through it. My journey might have been different, but when you discover something profound, yeah. and if you are not trained enough, your immediate reaction is to want to share it. That's natural. Yeah. Only when you keep probing, you realize that urge to share is actually making me more restless. And it is not creating a huge change. So it's a progression. You just keep moving forward. It's like milestones. It's like train stations. <laughs> it's exactly like that. You felt this way, you did. But then if you keep asking, you, ju you just mentioned these are the questions I'm asking. That is exactly what is necessary. The only difference is I have asked those questions longer than you have. That's all. It's the same road. And then as you keep asking those questions, new doors start to open up. Because then you look deeper. And then you say, oh, I thought being aggressive about telling them this is the way to do it was the right thing to do. But now that I look back and introspect, I realize that one, it is making me more restless. And two, it doesn't seem to be having a lot of impact. Then you rethink. Let me give you an example. If a child is yelling, the most common reaction is to yell at the child to be quiet. Never in this world did one fire put out another. Never. You need water to put out fire. Then the question is, do you have that stillness and ability to stay calm and slow when your child is yelling? That's the control. When you keep asking, keep looking, you realize that this reaction isn't doing anything. It's actually adding fuel to fire. If two people are arguing on the street, now you see, this is not physics. So the laws are not accurate. As accurate as where Saturn is going to be, etc. But it still is relevant. It works. If you are in an argument, instead of Raising your voice, if you start to lower it and go deep into your stomach, 
and start speaking slowly. That is how calm looks like. That is how peace, being peaceful looks like. The only time my wife and I fight is if I get excited. Like my, my, the inflection of my voice is loud. Even if I'm just talking casually, I've got a deep voice. So one octave up, it sounds like I'm yelling. But yeah. I'm like, I'm not yelling. You want to hear my yelling voice? And, but I understand that excitement, that deep voice and how it can be triggering, how it can rattle someone's spine sometimes and how triggering it can be. And for some people, they shut down at that point, then they don't hear. And then the natural point from that or the natural progression from there is being even louder. You don't hear me, so I'm going to yell louder. When actuality, it's, as you said, to go into our stomach and get more quiet. So that's bringing water to fire. That's free. Start speaking. And now you see water to fire is an example where something is on fire. Now, when you realize it and when you discover it, then you say, can I be water all through the day? Let me start speaking slowly in a low tone, in a low pitch. And these are modules in the program. Because these are the steps. You do this and this, and you will feel more peaceful. This is because the audio workshop. workshop. Is this the Adios workshop you do? Yeah, this is the basic Adios program, which is on the app. And yeah, that's what it is. These are the principles. So I'll give you a few. One is, the first one is the principle of the twin voices, where we talk about identifying and differentiating and writing them down. The second is the urge to prove, where you ask yourself, do I experience it? And then does it make me more peaceful or does it make me more restless? Yeah. Then it is about feeling good versus feeling right, where you ask yourself, does this feel good? Yes, but does it also feel peaceful? Then it is about speech, negative speech. It is about quantity of speech. You need to start speaking less overall, not just silence for 30 minutes in the beginning of the day. Then the velocity of speech. Speaking fast usually tends to make you more restless. Yeah. It's a step-by-step -step process to remove the noise. You remove the noise, what is left is peace of mind. I could talk to you for hours and I've got to have you back on. I, uh, for the sake of time, I want to wind this down, but I, I, there's, there's just so much to digest here and I can't wait to even go back and watch this because there's so many nuggets, so much that I just know I want to go right down that you said there's so much wisdom here. I am so grateful for you, the man that you are and the man you are for the world. Please do me a favor, plug your business, plug your course, plug your, plug everything. The floor is yours. Yeah. So adios is the basic mental well-being initiative it's it's a program you take yourself on the app in addition to taking the self-paced program which is essentially an eight-week program one session a week you listen to certain audios in my voice you do some exercises and these are the principles the ones that i mentioned and you systematically slowly work through them and what happens is by week three you start to notice all of this 
when you speak to a colleague, when you speak to a friend, when you speak to your partner, when you speak to your child, it's very natural. So all of this happens slowly and we want it to happen slowly. This is not something where you say, let's get out for a couple of days, Saturday, Sunday and nail it. You don't want to nail it. This is drip irrigation. This is not a hose pipe. So that's what it is. It is on adiosworld.com, A-D-I-O-S-W-O-R-L-D.com. And you start your journey usually with an assessment that you take. We have created a metric for peace of mind, for mental well-being. And just like you have IQ, we have created something called OQ. OQ stands for oneness quotient. How one are you with yourself? But more quantitatively, what it measures is what percent of the time do you make such decisions that make you more peaceful? You take the assessment, it will give you a score. So if your score is 5, it's basically saying 50% of the time you make decisions that don't make you peaceful. Hmm. And those are the practical elements which you then take the program to work on. You start the program by defining two or three real situations in your life. This is not an academic program. It's a practical program. So you say that, okay, in my personal life, this is a question that I want to solve. In my work life, this is the question. You start with defining your real questions. And the goal is to find answers to those questions through the program. So we have created a tool. So this contemplation framework is called ADIOS, A-D-I-O-S, which is an acronym. It stands for a dialogue in objective silence. Because that is what it is. It is a dialogue that you have with yourself objectively in silence. So we have created a tool called the Adioscope, which is like your personal microscope for life. Just like you have the lab microscope with its lenses, the Adioscope has the 16 principles as its lenses. You take a question in your life. The question could be, should I move from LA to San Francisco? The question could be, this is what is happening with my children and I think we are growing farther apart. Whatever that question is. You take that question and pass it through all the 16 lenses of the audioscope. The objective is to get better clarity of thought, which makes you more peaceful. It's as simple as that. So beautiful, man. Did you give your website? Adiosworld.com yeah, is for Adios. For dating, it is loveisvenus.com. Loveisvenus.com. Wow. No, I am, again, I'm so grateful for all of your time. So much wisdom. This, you just, you blew my freaking mind, man. I just really enjoyed this. Um, and I'm just glad to have you back. So I'll be in touch. Thank you again. God bless you. Have an amazing weekend. And I wish you nothing but smashing global success moving forward. Thank you so much for having me, Joshua. It was an honor. My honor. Thank you.